Thoughts and Sci Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. We have a very special guest that is going to address the subject of introverts and extroverts. The name of the book is Introverts in the Church. The author's name, Adam McHugh. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me back, Michael. Yep, you wrote The Listening Life. We had you on for that, and a lot of people enjoyed that interview. So tell me, as far as uh, this is an interesting subject, because there are too many introverts in the church, and of course it seems that we reward the extroverts. Why is that? Oh, that is a long historical question. For now, I'll I'll simply (laughs) say that we live in a culture that really values the the gregarious person, the assertive person, the the person that speaks their mind, that that is... uh, very comfortable uh, with strangers, can turn strangers into friends quickly, and just that type A type of person is definitely what American society and I think unfortunately many of our churches also value. And so those of us that do not naturally fit those descriptions can feel uh, consciously or subconsciously left out or somehow inferior to those that uh, are much more aggressive type people. And Mm -hmm. that's why I've written this book. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people feel thank you (laughs) because they have a little voice sometimes, uh, introverts. But we look in the scriptures, though. I mean, do you think Jesus was an introvert or an extrovert or both? Well, there there was an interesting study done back in 2004 where a a psychology professor interviewed or had a number of of college students rate Jesus according to the categories of the Myers-Briggs type Hmm. indicator, which is really where this whole introvert and extrovert thing takes off. And it was kind of amazing that most of the, on most of the categories, the students were divided, except on the introvert and extrovert category, 97% of those students said that Jesus was an extrovert, even though 54% of those students themselves ranked as introverts. And that seems to be, you know, that's a study that seems to really indicate the extroverted bias in our culture and in our churches. And when you look at the scriptures, when you look at the Gospels, I really don't think it's clear cut at all hmm. where Jesus sat on that whole extrovert introvert continuum. We see him among crowds, yes, but we often see him retreating from crowds. We see him investing in a smaller number of people and often seems to get irritated if he has to. There's, there are times where it seems like he's trying to escape a crowd and they just keep following him. And, and so he, he sort of commandeers a boat at one point to remove himself from the crowd. And, uh, you know, in some of those pivotal moments in his life, you find him very much alone and in solitude. And so I don't think it's clear cut at all. And yeah. the fact that, that many people would say that Jesus is extroverted, I think, doesn't reveal much about Jesus. I think that reveals much about them. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I say it's safe that he's both. <laughs> if I'm a betting man, and we and we all are, to be honest, it's not it's not a dichotomy. The whole, that's the one of the misunderstandings about the whole thing. It's not you're not either introverted or extroverted. It's a it's a continuum. An introvert and extrovert is kind of a preference along that line, and most people kind of fall on one side or the other. Do you think Jesus was one of the most well balanced people, uh, obviously that you've ever known? When you look at the scriptures, and if so, why? I think that's pretty fair, and I, I, um, yeah, like I said, he he seems to be at ease both among crowds 
and in solitude. Um, and I think that's absolutely critical, you know, for all of us trying to do ministry in the church. And so I, uh, I do think, and he, I would say that even Jesus seems to relish times of solitude and personal prayer. And that to me would be his introverted side coming yeah. out. Something that we all can emulate. I agree. I've said this before. I think most people in ministry have ADHD. That's just my feeling. So I have to ask, uh, you know, as far as the, the balanced personality of someone in ministry, is it better to be introverted or extroverted? Oh, I don't know if there's an answer to that question. I, I, I think we all have ADHD because so much is expected of those of us who are in ministry. We're, you know, we're supposed to be masters of everything. You're supposed to be able to spend hours in quiet prayer and yet stand up and preach charismatically in front of the masses. And uh, so much social expectation goes into being a minister or in leadership in one capacity or another in the church and so i think for so many of us self-care becomes so critical to being able to have any sort of longevity in ministry yeah that's a good point first of all just want to congratulate you too that you had an interview with psychology today so that's pretty cool they they, they interviewed you for this and obviously uh tell me about their interest in you yeah, so this is the second edition of Introverts in the Church. The first edition came out in 2009, and I think we all thought it would be out of print by now, to be honest. Nobody thought this was going to be a topic that really took off like it has, and it's done well enough and been well-received that we decided to update it and revise it, and then there's a new forward by Scott McKnight that wasn't there before and uh, some new endorsements as well. And so this issue has gotten so much traction in our culture and has become so prominent um, that, you know, Psychology Today called me and wanted to do an interview. And That's so it, it's becoming very mainstream and, and a very common discussion now within our society. Yeah, because we could all think back in high school where, you know, I was on the rafters there and uh, people would <laughs> people would be um, uh, you too. Help me out, Adam. You know, you weren't on the rafters. I, I was in the rafters there, and they'd have like the rah rah type of thing going on. And and somehow, you know, you think you outgrow that. But then you're in the church and the rah rah type of thing. It's still there, and introvert, you know, introverts lose their voice. How how can we get around that? It's it's so true. I don't know if we ever really get out of high school, but um, I think especially in more evangelical cultures, more evangelical churches, there's just this constant push to be more overt, more sociable, more excitable, to have this outward hmm. passionate I mean an outward passion I think there's such a thing as a quiet inward passion we don't talk enough about that but there's the, an outward um, overt kind of a faith and I think that's really damaging For and so many of us have spent time kind of acting or feel like we have to perform in order for yes. people to think somehow that our faith is authentic and hmm. I am someone and the reason I wrote the book is because I know that there are millions and millions of introverted believers mm -hmm. out there that are just kind of worn out and they're tired of playing the part of the extrovert and they <laughs> want to find a way to be faithful to god as they are wow i'm speechless with that my wife she really wanted to have you on the program for this particular book because she's an introvert and i tried to get her on i said honey you know you got to get on here and, and ask adam some questions but she's so introverted that she said no i'm shy i'm not going to do it but uh, that was her main concern is 
she thinks, I guess it's kind of like blondes have more fun type of thing, that the introverts seem to be more successful. Is that the point of view that a lot of people have? What do you mean by successful? Well, in other words, they seem to be able to get things done. They have this kind of push-forward personality. They're in the thick of it. And and, and I, wanna, I want you to answer that question, but also on top of that, let's focus also on the main gifts of an introvert. Sorry, were you saying that extroverts are more successful? I think yes. Said, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, I would agree with that. Although there's there are more and more examples now kind of coming to the surface about much like people like uh, Warren Buffett is very introverted. Um, Bill Gates is very introverted, but Steve Jobs is the one that everyone holds up as like this big charismatic rock star. Mm-hmm performer and that's like the ideal of the american business person and so i think that becomes a a dangerous model for those of us that don't that don't fit that and where do we overlook introverts i mean in other words if we isolated and said let's focus on the main gifts that we overlook in an introvert where they would be very helpful in ministry in the church where do we where do we look Totally. I think that's maybe the most important question because so often we think of introverts as, as introversion as, as a, something that we lack as an absence. You know, I'm not gregarious. I'm, I'm not uh, comfortable with crowds. I'm not social and whatnot. But I actually think it's really important to say, well, what is it that introverts bring to the table? And what is it through a quiet temperament that actually becomes a gift that we can offer to others? And so I think the most obvious one is that of listening, which is why my second book was about listening. Mm. That, um, and it, you know, and just be, being quiet is not necessarily the same as listening, but it's a good start, is what I say. And, uh, <laughs> it's hard to do that. that are, yeah, but but introverts I think may have a head start in in listening hmm. and uh, and being able to give space to other people to express you know their feelings and and their thoughts. Um, I also think that introverts can tend to have a lot of compassion. There's something about a very introspective bent that seems to produce compassion hmm. in people. The kind of the more you go deep into yourself, kind of see what's true. Um, about what's happening there. I think the more compassion that you can have for other people. And I think one of the greater gifts, too, that, that I know that I can offer people and that I know other introverts that can offer this as well is we just have this outward calm about us. And I think that we that, that calming presence can help others to slow down um, and maybe not to to move as quickly, maybe not to wear themselves out as much. And so I know that, that that's something that, that introverts can bring to the extroverts in their lives is just a calming presence. Yes. And what do you think some of the notable examples in the scriptures? I know there's Moses. He seems uh, introverted. And some of the other ones, of course, Peter, we know, is, is extroverted. But uh, where do we turn to in Scripture that really stands out and the kind of difference they made in the Bible? Right. And I, as I say in the book, I'm, I'm always a little bit cautious to try and superimpose, you know, a psychological grid onto the Scriptures that wouldn't have been part of the lives of the original writers and audiences. But I, what, I do Good point. Think is, what, I, what I do think is that we consistently see a God who works with people of diverse backgrounds, diverse temperaments, diverse gifts, hmm. um, all, you know, for the good of his kingdom work. And so, yes, we see the Peter of the world, who's probably the most sort of blatant extrovert in the ancient world, you know, just the guy that stands <laughs> up at Pentecost, the guy that interrupts Jesus and says, actually, sorry, you're going the wrong direction, you know, just incredibly bold, lacks a filter, like we all know people like that. No tact. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
lacks tact, but at the same time has the most, you know, the most impressive courage that, that you'd ever imagine. Mm. And then, and then you have people, um, you know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is often kind of portrayed as very contemplative, quiet, and thoughtful. And I love that image of her. Um, in the Old Testament, Jacob is described as a quiet man, whereas Esau is, you know, much more overt and aggressive. Uh, type, um, but I, I really do think that the larger point is that personality does not, by any means, limit the work of the Holy Spirit. That God is capable and willing to work with and um, within people of all sorts of different backgrounds, and that we should never exclude one group of people for the sake of another group. All right. Well, let's just say the churches are listening right now, and I know they are, and we have a big conference call, Adam McHugh, who uh, wrote this book, of course, Introverts in the Church, and we talk a little bit about things and say, hey, you know, how can we change this up a little bit? What would you say? How would you counsel them? I think a big part of it has to do with who you choose for leaders. I think that that may be actually a place to start, and I think that has happened actually in the last few years when people start to reevaluate their templates for who makes a good leader and and who doesn't. I mean, time and time again in my own ministry and in the ministry of other people I know, I've I've heard introverts passed over for jobs, for preaching jobs and, and ministry jobs because they didn't fit that extroverted mold and so I do think that choosing different sorts of leaders looking for different sorts of qualifications is a really significant place to start. I also like I've always liked the team leadership model more than the one person kind of running the whole show. I think if you can see a diversity of different people up front in various capacities but then I think also that that the gifts of extroverts and introverts can really complement one another in Leadership, so I, I really do think that that is the the main, the first change yes. to make, and then obviously there's that's just the start of the conversation. But it's amazing how far that goes when you start to see uh, a quieter type of person um, confidently and skillfully leading within a church. Mm. You always hear or think about the stereotypes, though. Introverts are always maybe administrative minded. Perhaps do you think that's uh, true? Well, I'm very introverted, and I am a horrible administrator. So oh, there goes I, my theory. What do I know? Is, that is not. But I mean, <laughs> I, I think I think you're right that that is sort of the stereotype that that will put them behind the scenes and will put them in front of as many Excel spreadsheets as possible, and they'll just be delight. <laughs> they'll be delighted. You know, that makes me miserable. And so, um, I just think it comes down to not. I don't think that gifts are are distributed according to. Temperament. I just think it comes down to: um, Can we take care of ourselves? Can we learn to conserve our energy? Can we <laughs> learn what we need and what we don't? Uh, you know, I'm a teacher and a preacher. That's what's most comfortable for me. And yet, uh, Sunday mornings and, and conferences totally wear me out. And so, I have to learn how to schedule my life. You know, after I stand up and teach. To be able to find that restoration, because introverts get restored in solitude, and so carving out that solitude is absolutely critical for you know longevity in ministry, and not just ministry, but just life. Yes, and just so you know, as far as the intro, Adam, he is an ordained Presbyterian minister and spiritual director, and a regular contributor to Susan Cain's Choir Revolution website, and you've also served, of course, you know all this, but two Presbyterian churches, 
hospice chaplain, a hospice chaplain, and uh, and campus staff with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. So you, as a as a writer, I mean, I'm sure you pride yourself on getting feedback from other people. What what is some of the feedback from introverted people, and they thank you perhaps for writing this? Uh, how did it impact their life? It's it's very interesting. Like I said, nobody thought that this topic would gain as much traction as it did. And just the emails over the last few years have just continually poured in to my inbox. And, and I really do. I don't always get to respond with as much length and depth as I would like. But uh, it always amazes me how many people... Mm this that resonate with this topic and what's interesting sort of my favorite emails are the most memorable ones or the ones that i get from someone locked in their bathroom sending me an email because they feel like that's the only place they can kind find quiet and privacy in in their house (laughs) but it's amazing how many emails i've gotten from people locked in their bathroom you're kidding is that is that uh trying to find solitude um in their uh in their place in their home so what do they say uh, they say adam i'm locked in my well how does this how does it go i mean it's just as simple as this is the only place that i can find quiet and i love my kids and i love my husband or my wife and um but i i cannot find uh privacy and solitude and i'm so worn out and to the point of tears Mm. and you know, it's all, they're always very poignant emails, <laughs> but also I think somewhat cathartic for people when they, when they send them. And that's, you know, that's what I think the great value of reading the book for a lot of people has been just the catharsis and finding someone that, that kind of speaks in their, in your language or putting words to something that they had felt, but not necessarily been able to identify before. There's just a lot of power in someone saying, yeah, me too. I also have those experiences. <laughs> and people don't think that, that uh, people are worn out like that. I mean, I know life takes a toll on us, but to actually feel that way that, uh, you know, exhausted, if you will, by the world around you, and you have to hide in your bathroom. And perhaps, I don't know, are are the pastors aware of all that? Increasingly so. I still think that there is a lot of, a lot of, um, judgment that comes towards those of us who are the quieter type, especially if you're from a church that's very active, that equates faithfulness with, you know, participation in an increasing number of activities and familiarity with an increasing number of people, and especially churches that that really have a high value for evangelism and a particular model of evangelism, sort of that talking head, bold, aggressive, you know, street corner type person. And uh, if you don't fit into that, I I think there's still a lot of judgment that comes our way and and misunderstanding. And like I said, so much of this is about learning to worship and serve and lead and share our faith as ourselves, not as someone else. You ever meet anybody who says, Adam, I read your book and all this time I thought I was an extrovert and I was actually an introvert, introvert. (laughs) Definitely. I've definitely gotten that. Huh. That, uh, that email, and you know, we're, we're we're trained in our society to act like extroverts, and if we come from families of origin that really value extroverted tendencies, we may grow up acting like that. Yes, and and yet at some point we just find ourselves worn out and we can't figure out why. And mm-hmm. that's sort of the, the moment that people say, maybe I actually prefer 
solitude and maybe my inward I've been neglecting my inner life and I need to to find energy and life in there. Yeah. You mentioned a summary of common attributes of introverts and I'm yeah. going to read some of them. You go and run with it of course, you know, the ones that you'd like to address, but one, prefer to relax alone or with a few close friends. Another, consider only deep relationships as friends. Need rest after outside activities, even ones we enjoy. We kind of touched on that. Often listen, but talk a lot about topics of importance to us. A few more. Appear calm, self-contained, and like to observe. Tend to think before we speak or act. May prefer a quiet atmosphere. And the last one, experience our minds going blank in groups or under pressure. That's where my wife said, you got to get this guy on. There's uh, the, one of the main differences between the more introverted types and the more extroverted types is how we process information. So one of the one of the lines that I've heard is that introverts think in order to speak, whereas extroverts speak in order to hmm. think. That so was very interesting. Are, extroverts are thinking as they're talking. They're they're processing out loud and they do it they tend to do it a little bit faster than introverts do for various uh, neurochemical reasons and introverts we go quiet when we're given new information or new situations and it may take us a little bit longer to process that information the good news you know for those of us that are introverts is that our filters are a little bit better and we tend not to say as many things without thinking them through Beforehand, however, that can get misconstrued that we're standoffish or timid or uninterested in the topic or detached. And, uh, and so, you know, people can sort of project onto that. But, but when we get bombarded with new information or stimuli, it actually releases neurotransmitters, chemicals in our brains and introverts get uh, very flushed with those chemicals very quickly. And it leads to a feeling of disorientation or overwhelm. I find it in a big crowd. A lot of the time I find myself almost feeling like I'm having some sort of out of body experience. Hmm. If, if I'm in a crowd of strangers and I'm uncomfortable that I feel really disoriented and confused. And that's actually just something that's happening within our brain it's not some sort of moral dilemma it's just what's happening within our brains and they're different from those extroverts who really love the dopamine that's released through those experiences yeah i mean that's where psychology today i'm sure showed interest because these are things we don't really think about we're all kind of wired differently but would you say and you you do address it in your book though that introverts get more depressed you know I, i i'm not sure if i put it quite like that, I do think that when you have a natural bent towards your inner life, I think that that can lead to depression and sometimes isolate an unhealthy isolation. And but I also just think too that the world is so wearying for us, and that it feels like the world takes so much from us just because we have less social energy and we lose energy in crowds and in new situations. That. That that sense of tiredness that we so often experience can easily translate into a sense of depression. All right. So for all the introverts listening right now, Adam McHugh, okay, author of Introverts in the Church, Finding Our Place in an Extroverted Culture. What do you say? What, how would you like to leave it with people and giving them hope or some inspiration? Yeah, it, it's simply that your 
temperament is not a liability. It's not a deficiency that God actually has created you to be the way that you are. That it's not an excuse. Uh, you know, it's, it, you don't get to play the I card for not doing <laughs> something that's, that's new or, or challenging, but there are ways of worshiping, leading, serving, loving, showing compassion, ministering, speaking our faith in ways that are true to ourselves, that are genuine and authentic, and that you don't have to act. You don't have to perform anymore and act like the extroverts around you. That extroversion is not synonymous with faithfulness. Do you think there's an introvert that made the most impact in your life? I've had many introverts that have made impacts on my life. There was one mentor by the name of Steve who personified that calming presence more than anyone I've ever met. And I feel like I emulate, try to emulate him as much as possible. He's a spiritual director and a campus minister and just incredibly thoughtful and contemplative and spends a lot of time, he spends a lot of time in solitude, but then when he comes to groups of, of students or to the, to the friends and family in his life, he really has so much to offer, so much insight, so much depth, so much compassion that, um, that I, that I would very much like to be described in the same ways that mm -hmm. I described him. Last question for you. Now, as far as introverts in the church and doing ministry or just even lay people, if you cover both, however, what kind of impact do they make? Where do they best belong? How can they flourish? I think that it's easy for us to say, oh, well, they should be behind the scenes or, you know, like if there's there's a is a difference between introversion and shyness. We didn't actually get into that. Those are not the same thing necessarily. Um, and so I do think that introverts have different gifts, uh, different talents, different abilities. And there's not necessarily one place where they would flourish. It becomes about how to flourish within the kind of with, with the gifts that God has given us and so much of that involves carving out time of solitude as much as possible and i realize that at certain points of life it's much more difficult than others but that self-care becomes so important and being able to embrace that this is this is who i am this is hmm. what i'm like there are great gifts that come with this temperament and that i want to bring them to bear on the world and i think that's the start of where we can start to flourish yeah amen you know it's an interesting conversation starter one that perhaps we'll have more in the local church and i'm sure you get this all the time though you ever want to you know make a book extroverts in the church no i do not excuse me i'm an introvert i am proud of it and uh Extroverts have been right, have been you know talking far longer than we have. And so I wanted to I wanted to get the introverted voice yeah. in there. Adam McHugh, he's the uh, McHugh, he's the author of Introverts in the Church: Finding Our Place in an Extroverted Culture. Interesting subject. Thank you for writing this book. My pleasure. Thank you for the conversation. I enjoyed it.